Hey, everybody, and welcome to True Crime Paranormal with the Psychic Sisters. This is Katie Weaver, and I'm here with my co-host and sister, Christy Brower. Hello. Hello. How's it going? Uh, It's good. It's good. It's, it's, It's Easter, and that means that it's horribly cold. Yeah. Weather's never good on Easter in Idaho. No, and it's been beautiful for days. Mm-hmm. Well, it's all sunny and blue skies out there and cold wind. I just had to put a sweatshirt on to do the show because it was freezing. Mm-hmm. That's but chilly. Other than that, I'm good. Well, and it's Easter, uh, you know, via times of quarantine. So we shouldn't be here. We should be camping. Our families yeah. always camp for Easter. Yeah. And this year we are not doing that because we are quarantining <laughs> from each other and everybody else. Weird. So. I actually cooked an Easter dinner. I cannot yeah. remember the last time I cooked an Easter dinner because we're never home. Right. We, right. And we might be like sharing cooking or something, but to actually mm-hmm. cook a whole Easter dinner, I haven't done that in a very long time. No, me neither. What'd you make? I made ham and we splurged and had baked potatoes because, you know, ah. we're low carb and so we normally don't eat those. Mm-hmm. And um, deviled eggs and a really yummy um, keto brownie with chocolate mousse on top and some raspberries on top of that dessert. Good Lord. That sounds amazing. It was fabulous. I'm sure I'll be having some more of it later. (laughs) I'm sure. I did a corned beef and with cabbage. And then uh, we haven't eaten yet. We're going to eat after the podcast. But and then I we're doing uh, mashed cauliflower to go with, you know, because we're low carby. And I think I have like two potatoes in the storage room so the kids can maybe mash up a little bit of real potato if they just can't do mashed cauliflower. But, you know, there you go. Whatevs. I also did deviled eggs and, oh, my God, did I destroy them. (gasps) Oh, no. I I oversalted them. Oh. Like, a lot. They're awful. (laughs) Frankly, we'll probably just put them in the garbage. They're literally that bad. (laughs) So that's super disappointing. Well, they're a lot of work to f up like that so right my husband walked in the house and i went uh the boiled eggs not so much i went crazy with salt and he was like how bad could they be and he ate one and he goes well my god (laughs) (laughs) that turns out pretty bad (laughs) pretty bad that's how bad yep and then i made a cake when we were kids our mom would always make this uh coconut uh, white cake, uh, bunny yeah, cake. So bunny she would, cake. yeah. So she would make it in rounds and then cut the rounds in half and stick them together with frosting. And anyway, she'd make a bunny out of it that was so cute. Um, I didn't do that because a keto cake is in no way going to be strong enough to put up no. with that kind of handling. It will not hold up. Uh. Uh-uh. But I did do a white keto sheet cake with uh, uh, a whip topping frosting and coconut on top so yeah i did mom's easter cake yeah sounds fabulous yeah should all be super super good and yeah this is one of those days that like you want to cook one meal right Uh, i did not make breakfast i did nothing along you know of course at my house my kids are old enough that you know yeah breakfast is and for yourself affair at my house Mm -hmm. and lunch too and then Uh, And then I make dinner or one of them makes dinner. Yeah. But Mm -hmm. well, it is what it is. I, uh, you got egged in the night. 
I, I did get egged, yes. I got up early to a message that there'd been a lot of egging happening in my neighborhood and maybe I should check outside, and I did, and it turned out that the Easter Bunny egged our house, mm-hmm. uh, a la you <laughs> <laughs> and your family, which was really fun. So we uh, we bought an enormous package of pre-stuffed eggs, and then we bought some sugar-free chocolate and, and chocolate that, that your son likes, and... Mm-hmm. We snuck to your house about one o'clock in the morning and covered your lawn with eggs and put candy on the steps. And then we went over to our sister Kara's house and did the same thing. Yeah, so we took the bulk really of the fun. eggs over there since they have younger kids. And I'll tell you what, we filled their bushes. Oh my gosh. It, <laughs> the eggs. pictures are hilarious. It was so bad. Yeah. Well, and I frankly like, was very impressed because my dogs bark at the, you know, uh, mm-hmm. as my mom would have said a flea farting and so mm-hmm. i was very impressed that you pulled that off without them waking up because they did me too me too i expected we would get busted and then at kara's house it was like 1 30 in the morning but there was there were still lights on you could hear uh, a video game being played in the basement <laughs> of course my, my son said they're playing call of duty i can hear it and i was like well <laughs> they'll probably not get hear us then if they're doing that but anyway yeah we had a ball so we put about 30 eggs on your lawn we mm-hmm. put 300 eggs on Kara's lawn <laughs> because Those that's what Walmart had. hit the jackpot. Well, then what they did is they stuffed a bunch of them back up with candy and stickers and stuff and came up here and asked me to get my daughter out of the way for a while. So I made her drive me to town to get a drink and they egged us so that she'd have eggs to find too. So she was pretty surprised. She was really... I said, oh, hey, uh, before I do my podcast, will you run me to Sonic? And she goes, no, I'm exercising. And I was like, well, we need to go right now because they were like 10 minutes from our house. And I'm like, well, we got to go right now. And she's like, no, can you just wait? Give me 10 minutes. (laughs) Actually, no, I do not have 10 minutes. (laughs) I "I can't. I can't. Chris is waiting on me to do the podcast. I have to go now. Anyway, she was a little salty about it, but you know, all's, all's well that ends well. So yeah. Anyway, we found some ways. Yeah, we found some ways to celebrate with each other, even though we can't really be together, which is a very strange thing. I can't think of an Easter that we haven't all done together. I know, me either. Very strange. Yep, such is life. So, anyway, this podcast isn't all about what we did for Easter. It's well, it isn't, but sometimes it's fun. (laughs) Yeah, it is. We are on our second uh, edition, our second installment of the Lori Vallow Dayval case. So last week we did, we laid out the main timeline, which I am sure spun a lot of your heads. It has ours for sure. Yeah. This is the case that's playing out in the town I live in. And it's really, it has international attention. Uh, At the end of the day, the main point is that there are two missing children. And JJ and Tylee that have been missing for about six months now. And their mother is being held in the Madison County Jail. And there's actually been a ton of movement on this case this week. There have been some huge breakthroughs on this case this week. We will get to them at the end. So don't uh, leave us. Make sure that you hang out because we have a lot to tell you about what's gone on this week. So much, yes. So much. I have like five big bullet points of, oh, yeah, and this and this and this. So we'll get there. But we wanted to back up. We wanted to go back to 
more of the beginning-ish. So we're going back to Joseph Ryan. So Joseph Ryan was Lori's third husband. So she's currently on her fifth husband. Her first two husbands, she was married directly out of high school. It was very short-lived and then apparently had another brief husband after that, who was actually the dad of Colby. Though Colby, her oldest son, uh, took on the name of Ryan. Oh, uh, okay. I didn't realize that. that. Okay. Yeah, he's he's not uh, Colby's bio dad. And I my understanding is he didn't ever actually adopt him either, but he does go by his last name. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and he's Tylee's brother. He is Tylee's brother. Yep. He, Lori has uh, two, well, two bio children and an adopted son. Mm-hmm. So she has three children, essentially. And yeah, so Colby's the oldest. Uh, and then Tylee and then JJ. So mm-hmm. at any rate, so there's a lot to talk about with Joseph. So they got married in about 2000. They got married, yeah, right about 2000. I didn't, I could never find exactly. They divorced in 2004, and apparently they had been married for four years. So, oh, okay, 2000. I don't actually have a date of their marriage. I searched for that and couldn't find it. But anyway, so Joseph was, according to his sister Annie. Now, Annie, we've talked about her quite a bit, Annie Cushing. She is Tylee's aunt, she's Joseph's sister. And we'll be talking about her quite a bit in this uh, edition as well. She has been extremely helpful to law enforcement and to the public. She's a former uh, reporter, and she's covered this case very well. She yeah, really laid out her timeline on her website is the best timeline you will find about this entire case. Yeah, and that is AnnieLytics.com, and you can find the the big timeline. And it is, it is very extensive and, well perplexing, right? Mm-hmm. It is very perplexing. So she says, in, in her words, she says that Joseph was uh, had a very explosive temper. So they were married for four years, Lori and Joseph. Uh, Tylee, they divorced when Tylee was 18 months old. So she was still a baby mm-hmm. when they got divorced. Um, it was really, really ugly. Their divorce was really ugly. The custody battles that went on literally forever were really ugly. And there was a lot of contention between Alex Cox. You guys have heard about him a lot. This is Lori's brother. He is currently, well, currently and always deceased. (laughs) (laughs) Not going to change that. Yes, (laughs) Currently. Good God. Anyway. Yeah. He, he died uh, back in December of 2019, but Alex, uh, hated Joseph Ryan. And in 20 or 2004, when Tylee was four years old? No, 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 sorry. Yeah, not when Tylee, when Tylee was not in 2004, but when Tylee was four years old, Joseph Ryan had a scheduled visitation of Tylee. And directly after that, Alex assaulted him with a stun gun and threatened to kill him and injured him. And Alex was arrested and did 90 days in a county jail for that in Texas. Very interesting, knowing Mm -hmm. what we said last Mm -hmm. week about that he killed Lori's fourth husband, Charles Vallow, in self-defense. Okay. I'm I'm putting up the quote fingers there because we all know that that is still, that is being investigated. So that may change. Yeah, there's no... 
No definitive word on that for sure. So while he was in jail, he sent a letter to a mutual friend asking them to provide him with pictures of Joseph Ryan, pictures of his vehicle, his license plate, and his residence because he had guys on the inside that would take care of him. Oh, my goodness. So even while he was in jail, he was still making threats on his life. And things got really weird with Lori. Lori made a threat in court that death would be an option before she would allow Joe Ryan to have visitation with his daughter. And that was such an, a concerning Also sounds familiar. Mm-hmm. Said some similar things about Charles. Yeah. That was such a concerning statement to the police, or to, sorry, to the courts, that the judge ordered two things. He ordered for Lori to have a psych eval. Now, my understanding is that it was never done. There's no evidence of it, and other family members are saying they don't believe she ever actually went and did it. Bear in mind, Lori did whatever the hell she wanted. Mm-hmm. She blew through court orders. She didn't ever do what she was told to do. She did whatever she wanted and somehow just kept getting away with it. However, they did for a period of time. I have never heard of a court doing this before. Maybe this is a Texas thing, but Christy, maybe you'll have more insight. Mm-hmm. But the, the Texas court ordered for there to be cameras, in surveillance cameras installed in Lori's home to uh, monitor her treatment of the kids. And that wow. was done. Mm-hmm. That, and that is actually, news to me as a social worker. I mm-hmm. there is no way it would ever happen in Idaho. That the mm-hmm. that's a huge infringement on rights, and um, they, yeah. nobody would get away with that here. Not saying that it wasn't necessary, because it sounds to me like it was. If they were that concerned, yeah, you know, I mean, that must have been through their leg of child protective services. Because who was monitoring these? But apparently there was cameras for a certain amount of time and they never did see anything, uh, you know, there didn't, that didn't I mean, change anything. The usefulness of that is sort of questionable because, mm-hmm. I mean, if you know you're being surveilled in your own house, mm-hmm. first of all, um, that's going to change your behavior. Second of all, you yeah. can't surveil bedrooms or bathrooms, you know, only common right. you surveilled to begin with right. in most situations. And so... Yeah. You know, are you really going to get anything? Probably not. Right. But again, how concerning was her behavior? Yeah, that, 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 the that they thought that was necessary. Yeah. Yeah. So, so crazy. That is, that to me just blows my mind. It, it makes me feel like what happened in Texas that wasn't thoroughly taken care of mm-hmm. as this continued to roll out and her mental health issues and just horrific behavior that just continued to be somehow tolerated. Yeah. So anyway, I thought that was a huge, no, one of the reasons it, a lot of her things have been tolerated is because she moves States. I mean, Mm -hmm. we've got stuff happening in Texas, in Mm -hmm. Arizona, in Idaho and Hawaii. Mm -hmm. And that is part of it. And that's something Mm -hmm. that happens a lot is that particularly with child protection and things that are state, run, you know, you leave the state. Well, the next state doesn't have any jurisdiction over you unless something happens, Yeah, you know? And so there's not a lot of good communication between states when it comes to stuff like that. And so it it makes sense to me that part of it is because she just, she'd remarry, move to a different state. Yeah. Fall off the radar. Yeah. 
Yep. Well, and she, she made a lot of uh, accusations. She claimed that Joseph Ryan was a pedophile and a batterer and was a dangerous person and made a lot of claims that, that appear to be completely unsubstantiated. However, oh. Annie Cushing d- did say that her brother had an explosive temper. And so yeah. that that is one thing, uh, you know, to consider. Do we think that Joseph Ryan was a batterer? You know, I don't. I, I, I do feel like he was a pretty volatile person. Mm-hmm. And there's a difference between vol- being a volatile person and having a temper and taking that out on other people. I don't have the sense that he was abusive. Yeah, I don't. Um, I, I do have the sense that he would get extremely frustrated with Lori. Mm-hmm. Um, and and, mm-hmm. and feel like he didn't know what to do and sort of get to that place of I have no idea how to solve this situation. Mm-hmm. But my sense of him is that he was a rather intense personality. Mm-hmm. That he could get angry, but I do not feel any actual like physical abuse going on there. And and that energy is pretty specific. Like you feel it yeah. right away if it's there. And honestly, yeah. if there was any question that that was going on, why was it Lori getting surveilled and not Joseph getting surveilled? I mean, exactly. Clearly, the courts didn't think that was the case. No. No, you know, but that, and not to say that the courts aren't wrong about these things sometimes because they can be. But just just as a as a psychic, as an empath, my energy, mm-hmm. my sense of his energy, because I read energy bodies, yeah. is not that he was physically abusive. That he could be very volatile. Yeah, um, you know, but what? But so can she, right? And I, and right. I do feel like they were a bad combo. They were, mm-hmm. you know, a powder keg and a light. Yeah, and that they did definitely have a lot of blowouts. But I don't feel mm-hmm. like it was physical. Yeah. Okay. I agree with that. And I also think that the allegations that he was a pedophile were completely unfounded. I do think that he uh, had a porn addiction mm. and that that was a, a big source of contention in their marriage. And and that's just a read from me. That's not something that's been substantiated by other people. So don't be asking me for proof. I don't have any. That's just my my gut feeling is that he did have some kind of a, you know, a situation with porn uh, or maybe a bit of a sex, sex addiction, addiction or something along those lines. I don't believe that he was ever sexually abusive to his daughter or to anybody else. That doesn't no. resonate with me. Doesn't mean However, anything. I think that Alex really believed that. I do believe that she had Alex completely convinced mm-hmm. that that was true and well, that he so- was... Yeah. Don't you think throughout this story that that is the case, that yeah. Alex believes her to use an Idaho colloquialism hook, line, and sinker, right? That that Alex bought everything she ever said and was so committed to defending her that no matter what it was, right up to Mm -hmm. and including murder, he -hmm. would do it. Absolutely. He worshipped the ground Lori walked on. Absolutely. And would definitely do whatever she wanted. And yeah, Mm -hmm. I, I think never ever questioned what she said. He would absolutely believe it. And whatever she told him to do, he was going to do. And she knew that getting him all riled up about Joseph would create, I'm guessing trying to create some fear to get him to back down. Mm -hmm. However, it seems to me like Joseph Ryan was never someone who backed down. Eventually, Lori remarried Charles Vallow. And Charles Vallow's ex-wife, Cheryl Wheeler, uh, spoke a little bit to... Uh, East Idaho News about this. And she says that Lori was absolutely addicted to going to court. 
mm-hmm. that she loved dragging everybody back into court, that the custody arrangement was so, uh, oh, what are the right words? The custody arrangement was so intricate between she and Charles and their children, their two sons, because Charles had two adult sons, remember, beyond mm-hmm. JJ, he had two adult sons. And so between her, he, that case, and Lori and Joseph's case, they were so intricate that this is what she says. She says, Cheryl says, uh, a year after Charles and Lori got married, Cheryl became concerned about Lori's mental state. She just seemed off. There were a lot of strange goings on at their home to the point that a judge ordered cameras to be put in the home to protect the children. Nothing suspicious or criminal was ever found on the video footage, Cheryl said, but she said something wasn't right with Lori. During child custody hearings, Cheryl says Lori seemed to enjoy being in court and all of the drama surrounding it. Lori was also in a custody battle with Joseph Ryan, and it was so intertwined that the judge combined our cases together in the courtroom. Can you imagine that? No. Two separate marriages, separate kids? Mm -hmm. That's really weird. Cheryl recalls it was quite odd, but she loved it. That's when I learned that she doesn't do what she's told to do if she doesn't want to. I saw a lot of that in court. So eventually, after Cheryl and her husband had spent thousands of dollars in court with Charles and Lori, constantly battling over something, Lori was constantly dragging them back to court and dragging Joseph Ryan back to court, Mm -hmm. uh, mostly by just refusing to comply and, uh, you know, shenanigans. They decided to move to Arizona. So they up and moved to Arizona. Now, I had read somewhere else and could not find proof of it this morning, but I'm going to let you guys decide on that. That that was against a court order as far as Tylee was concerned. I would imagine it would be. That she did not have, I don't know on the boys, but that she did not have the court's permission to move Tylee out of state, but she just did it anyway Mm -hmm. and moved to Arizona. So what did Joseph Ryan do? He moved to Arizona. This man never quit trying to have a relationship with his daughter. Lori made it really hard. She filled her full of stories, full of fear. She was very unkind, you know, as far as this relationship was. But and then uh, at some point, they Charles and Lori and the kids moved from Arizona to Hawaii for it looks like about two years. And then they moved back to Arizona. Well, Mm So within all of that time, still, there were custody issues going on, and Joseph Ryan was trying to have visitation with his daughter and trying to build a relationship with his daughter. So we're going to move forward now to the 3rd of, of April, 2018. So the So this year been going on a long, stinking time. Yes. This kid's whole yeah. life. Apparently, one of Joseph Ryan's neighbors, their dog started going crazy at his door, and they ended up calling the police because there was a strange smell. And as it turned out, Joseph Ryan was deceased inside. So the autopsy lists his death as a heart attack uh, as the cause of death, but Lori was listed as uh, his next of kin, and the police let her know that he was deceased and Lori did nothing, nothing at all. And a little more than a month later, so she didn't tell anybody. 
And I guess one thing I should back up to say is that she and Annie Cushing were still friends. This is Joseph's sister. Mm-hmm. They were still texting back and forth, texting pictures of the kids. They were friendly. You know, mm-hmm. Annie had worked really hard to keep a decent relationship with Lori so that she would be able to continue to be, you know, c- connected to Tylee in her life. Mm-hmm. She did not reach out to Annie or anyone else and let them know that Joseph had died. No one no. knew. My gosh. Uh, it's unclear at that point whether Tylee knew, but no one else knew. So at, when, at some point, finally, uh, his body had never been claimed. And so the coroner uh, did a background check and found one of Joseph Ryan's brothers and contacted him. And that's the first that they even knew that he was dead. Oh, my goodness. Which tells you that he may not have had a lot of contact with his family. Right. To or go perhaps that long. they had reached out a few times and he hadn't responded and that wasn't new for him. Maybe, but yeah. he had been dead at that point for at least they had said he was dead from somewhere between one to three weeks in his apartment before he was found. And then more than a month found before Lori, uh, or, wow. you know, before they learned of his death. So it had been some time. A couple of months. Wow. Mm-hmm. Uh, his body was cremated and that was the end of it. So there was there no service. There was no service. There was nothing. So Annie Cushing flew to Arizona to stay with Lori so that she could spend some time with Tylee. I mean, her brother had just died, you know, and another friend had said that Lori told her that she received Joseph Ryan's uh, life insurance and that she hoped at some point she could share that with Tylee, which is really rich. Share that with Tylee. Yeah. That should have 100% been Tylee's. He didn't have any other children. Yeah. Wow. Uh, Anyway, so so that happened. And this and was in Arizona when Lori and Charles were living in Arizona. Is that correct? correct. Yeah. Were they in the same city? I they were in the same area. Yeah. Okay. I mean so they it wasn't were living like they were far apart. No, they were living in various suburbs suburbs of Phoenix. So no, they weren't that far apart. Okay. No. So <laughs> with all of that. Annie flew to Arizona, stayed for a little while with Lori, trying to, you know, kind of wrap up her brother's stuff and spend some time with Tylee. And it was a terrible experience. Apparently, uh, Lori said to her multiple times things like uh, that God had taken care of Joseph and that the world was a better place without him in it. And things along those lines, basically, uh, you know, familiar. Yeah. Continuing to indicate that, you know, she was glad it happened. She told Annie that she was very afraid about the end of times and that sometimes she thinks it would be better to put her kids in a car and drive off the side of a cliff. Mm. Annie had such a terrible visit that she got out of there as soon as she could. Mostly was so worn out on deflecting all of the lies that Lori was telling Tylee about her dad. Uh, You know, the level of cruelty and dishonesty in her just, it knows no bottom. No, it it clearly doesn't. I mean, that's a, it's so interesting though. There's so much, there's so many parallels between this experience and, and, Charles's death. Yeah. They're not telling yeah. anyone the way that she uh, didn't 
didn't tell his his sons, her stepsons, mm-hmm. and right. the way that she refused to give them any information, and that she was again the person with the information that she did not share. That yeah. seems to be a theme in her life. Yeah, exactly it? like she did with Charles's death. Yeah. Was there any question about Charles's death? Was there any about Joseph's death or about Joseph's death? I mean, well, Joseph's death, his case has been reopened. His case has been reopened just uh, a couple of months ago. There was an announcement that that case has been reopened and they are, it's pointless. Maybe not, not pointless. I don't want to say that. Uh, they are investigating Alex Cox yeah. for that death. Now, obviously, uh, that's only partly helpful considering that Alex is dead. But, you know, yeah. at least for but the closure of the family Alex, and, right, yeah, did Alex do it? And if he did... What kind of influence did Lori have on that? You know, and so I mean, someone could still be charged, mm-hmm. potentially, potentially. However, he was uh, cremated. Now, depending on the state, apparently, some states, in order for a cremation to happen, there actually has to be a certain harvesting of tissue. Well, it that was is stored. A, there was an autopsy, right? Maybe there was. I mean, he been it was an unattended death. True. So maybe there was there's no was. evidence that there was, but but I would assume that there was. They called it a heart attack. Mm-hmm. So there must have been some. But you know who else died of a heart attack, guys? Mm. Tammy. Yeah, Tammy. We'll get there, right? Yeah. Well, I, I just wonder because in most states, unattended deaths are a mandatory autopsy, and if there is an autopsy, then there are tissue samples and toxicology and all that stuff taken. But we don't know for sure. And, and, you know, it seems like Arizona is a little sketchy on this kind of stuff, as we're finding (laughs) throughout this case that not necessarily, and I'm not going to say Idaho is any better because it's not. Um, But, yeah, it does make you kind of wonder, like, is there some, are there some samples somewhere that can be tested? Right, right. And and since they did announce that they've reopened that case, I mean, it does make you wonder. Sure. So anyway, so that is the life and times of Joseph and of Joseph Ryan. Uh, One of Annie Cushing's biggest concerns for Tylee was that there was no space for her to grieve her dad at all. It was a terrible tale, you know, of her dad dying and of her mother treating it the way she did. There was no closure. There was no service. Nothing. I just, I can't ever get over the amount of trauma that Tylee has had in her life due to her mother's behavior. It is enormous and astounding what she has been through. I did read something about Lori this week that I thought was interesting. And, you know, I'm not a Lori sympathizer, so don't send me a note. But (laughs) (laughs) but (laughs) I was reading an interview with a childhood friend who did high school cheer with Lori. Lori was on the cheer squad when she was in high school. Mm -hmm. And, the, the cheer friend said that Lori's parents never once attended a cheer event, never once came and watched her perform. Wow. Can you imagine that? No, I can't. Having been in band and in sports and all the stuff that we did mm-hmm. and our parents came to everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We've done that for all the kids in our family too. Yeah. And I know kids. I've seen this in my kids' teams over the years, kids whose parents never come. They they are completely disinterested in what they're doing. That just, I thought, was a tiny slice uh, of light, a little kind, you know, 
mm-hmm. a bit of insight into how Lori was raised and into maybe who her parents are. Her parents are living. They live in Arizona, apparently. Mm-hmm. Uh, and have Staying been out of this completely. Yeah, they've been completely silent on all of this. Um, but, you know, they have just lost their son and their daughter is in jail and potentially headed to prison. And their other daughter died. That's Melanie Gibbs's mother, or not not Gibbs, but that's Melanie's mother, the, the niece, mm-hmm. died quite a long time ago. And so these people have lost a lot. But mm-hmm. I, I think it's quite fascinating. They haven't been to the jail. They haven't made any contact with her. They've done nothing. Yeah. But then again, when she was growing up, it sounds like they did nothing as well. And it I'm not ex- trying to excuse her behavior at all, but I do think it's interesting. It's, it's important to understand it. I mean, it explains that attention-seeking, that loving to go to court, loving mm-hmm. to be, you know, in the middle of it and and all of the attention on her for whatever reason. That is, yeah. that kind of behavior comes out of having parents that ignore you. Yep. You want attention from authority. You want validation from authority in situations like that. And you know, the courts are a way to get it. It is a common thing. It is a known thing that people can become addicted to litigation, you know. Oh, yeah. People who sue oh, and yeah. sue and sue and, and love to be involved in that kind of stuff. And, and it, I mean, from a psychological standpoint, it does make sense. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I know. I thought you'd find that interesting. Mm-hmm. I, I found that interesting. So yeah. not that that in any way, you know, excuses any of Lori's behavior, but it is an interesting part of her ch- early childhood experiences. Yeah. One thing that has come up this week is that, so so that, sorry, I'm going to stop for a second before we change gears. That is the story of Joseph Ryan and his life. Is there anything you want to add to that? I just, um, it, I'm really glad they've reopened the case. I really have questions about how he actually died. Um, yeah. It feels very sketchy to me. Uh, I don't feel like they have the the correct answer about how he died and why and when and all of that stuff that I, I do feel that there was involvement in his death. I don't feel that it was just a natural, oh, he just, you know, I mean, what was he? He was only 49 or something. I mean, he was around the same age as Tammy Daybell, wasn't he? Right. Yeah. I mean, the mm-hmm. people, and it's not that people don't just drop dead because they do. It happens, but yeah. it's pretty young for that too. Um, yeah. So I, I do, you know, just I have that feeling in my gut that is like, this doesn't feel right to me. This makes me feel a little sick. So I'm glad that they're looking yeah. into it. I mm-hmm. do feel what I always feel whenever we talk about this case is it's like this giant chain and every every piece of the story is a link to the chain and and joseph ryan is a link in the chain like it's not his story isn't separate from the, the right rest of this craziness it is definitely a part of it and so mm-hmm. i do feel that there is a connection there and and i feel like that they're going to figure that out that something is going to come to light yeah i i agree and it is the first it isn't the first death it's the first significant death when we're talking about these kids the first death really is the sister. Yeah. Because when the sister died, Alex Cox was busted using her credit cards. Yeah. So there is a question there about the sister, and maybe we'll dive into that one at some point. I don't have enough information to really spill into that one today, but there is some sketchy facts around the death of the sister. But as far as these kids are concerned, the first meaningful death here 
really is right here. Starts with Joseph Ryan in 2018. And so in our next broadcast, we will move forward and start digging into some of the other key players. Uh, But that's kind of where we needed to back up and start. So this week, there has been an enormous amount of movement on this case. Some interesting things. Uh, One thing that came out of this case is that... um, or out this week is that Chad Daybell has listed his house for sale. Mm-hmm. Last week, there was a report that he had been uh, inquiring about putting a mobile home on his property. So his house sits on 3.75 acres mm-hmm. out in the country. And he had been looking and reaching out to the county to find out if it was legal for him to put a mobile home on that property. And so people were thinking, is he really going to try and put Lori in a mobile home <laughs> if she yeah, ever gets there out? Were a bunch you know, of on Facebook about that, right? Yeah. So now the home is actually listed for sale. The home is listed for sale for two hundred and fifty thousand dollars, which where we live, that's quite a bit. And for that house, that's really a bit. He bought the house according to Realty.com. He bought the house in twenty fifteen for one hundred and sixty nine thousand. And the home was last updated in 1985. And so to me, thinking that that house could possibly be worth $250,000 is a huge stretch. But I think it's interesting. Um, Some of his adult children had been living there. So I'm not sure if they have been displaced or if they've chosen to move out. You know, I I don't know on that. That that I think is interesting. Or maybe they're just still there kind of waiting to see what he's going to do. But Mm -hmm. interesting that he put the house for sale. Tammy Daybell. Chad's deceased wife, her headstone was placed this week. Yeah. So her headstone was placed in Utah at the the cemetery where she has been interred. It is a very interesting thing, the headstone is. It is not what you would expect at all. Not at all. So typically, uh, especially in a Mormon marriage, a headstone would be, well, first of all, this is a flat headstone like the cheapest kind of headstone you can possibly buy yeah laying flat and it's and it's not in a flat to the ground cemetery Mm -mm. so know that I mean some cemeteries require that and it's how it is and that's fine but this is not the case this is a cemetery that have plenty of big fancy stand-up headstones but Tammy didn't get that her headstone is very small it says there is a duck on it with uh, five ducks walking ducklings walking behind her to represent her five kids. There are carnations around the sides of it. Uh, Apparently carnations were her favorite flower. So there's some things here that do represent her. Uh, It says, Tammy was a beloved wife and mother, devoted daughter and sister and friend to all animals. It's not a double headstone. Yeah. And that is huge. And maybe, and let me explain that. Why? Because this was an LDS couple. This was a Mormon couple that were married in their belief system for time and all eternity. And always a headstone is placed with room on the other side of it for the other spouse when they pass. Yeah. Uh, You know that, and their name's on it. Everything's on it except for their death date. And that space is held for them. So not that case. So that they'll be buried. Buried together. And that's one thing that Mormons generally don't cremate. The the Mormons generally bury. Yeah. 
nearly always there's a real uh, stigma there. And so there's a few things about the headstone that really struck me. And that really was one of the big one is that it's not a double. Yeah. There's no mention of Chad anywhere on it, which, you know, good for you, Tammy. But right. I mean, for her, I'm, I'm, I'm well, this douchebag on it. But, but it's still clearly no intention to plan for his own burial to be there. There. Nope. Obviously not. Uh, which is odd. It's very odd in their religion. Very odd. Uh, the other thing that really got me about it is Chad received 450 or 435, something like that, over $400,000 in life insurance money for Tammy. And he couldn't spring for a headstone that was more than, I I saw some research on headstones and it looks like the one that he bought her would have cost somewhere around $800. That's not much in the headstone world as we know. No, that's, that's the cheapest. That's just about as cheap as you can go, one of those little flat markers. And it's sweet that it has ducks on it and flowers, and I'm guessing that maybe some of her family or her kids had some input into that. And I hope that this at least is a place for their kids to get some kind of peace and closure. And her family, because her family is in Utah. Yeah. Yeah. But he couldn't do something better than that. Yeah. It really says the cheapest thing he could get away with. Yeah. Yeah, it says a lot about what his yeah. priority is, and it's not her. No. And that's sad. That's just sad. Really you know, sad. the other thing that struck me about the headstone, well, two things. First of all, stand-up headstones in, you know, in our area, most Mormon folks particularly, the stand-up headstone on the back has all the children's names listed. Kids' names yeah. are not on it. Mm-hmm. Also, most eternal marriages in Mormonism, the mm-hmm. picture, there is a carving of the temple where they were married yeah. on the headstone it's one of those and their sealing up, date yeah yeah it's one of those keeping up with the joneses kinds of things you can tell oh, yeah. right away who was sealed in the a mormon temple to be married for time and all eternity <laughs> mm-hmm. by looking at their headstone and that isn't there either that isn't there none of it's there no yeah yeah i know it's it is very odd it's like Chad just cannot quit dropping breadcrumbs, you know oh no, i know yeah if, if but i was thinking about this how pissed is his new wife in him putting money into the old wife when he's supposed to be paying for her defense fund. Yeah. You know, well, and that's what I wonder about the house being up for sale and being up for sale for so much money. Is that, is, is that what this is for? Right. Because defense attorneys are not cheap and they've hired a very expensive one for, for Idaho standards. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, right. there's also the well, fact that she's still in jail and hasn't bonded out. Right. Well, and they don't have a defense attorney now. And I'm wondering right. if they're trying to hire another they one. They have an attorney, but not a defense attorney. Right. The attorney that they that Lori has currently, that well, they have two attorneys. One of them is, and I cannot think of his name. He's the guy from Rigby that is, he's the one that's handling the custody piece. And he is Chad's attorney as mm-hmm. well. He so was Lori's attorney is a, yeah, Lori's attorney is a gentleman named Mark Means. And from Mark's own website, his practice areas are personal injury, family, divorce and separation, child custody, mediation, and contracts and agreements. Yeah. He's not he, No. And he really showed that this week. One of the uh, breakthroughs this week, or I don't, it's not a breakthrough, but one of the breaking news this week is that he has yet again, her court, has, her, her team now has yet again filed for another bail hearing. Because mm-hmm. she has not been able to bail out. Her bail is currently set at $1 million. It started out at 5 
Mm-hmm. Every time they have gone to court, they've asked for it to be reduced to ten thousand um, dollars, which they have ridiculous. I mean, not gotten. Yeah, there's yeah. no that is not middle ground. That is not even no. close to middle ground. Right. So on two or on Thursday this week, he filed a bunch of documents to uh, ask for new bail. So uh, first on the grounds that COVID is making it hard for him to work with his client and put together a case. Here's what happened. At the Madison County Jail, they have very limited space to meet with people. You can't have visitors at the jail at all unless they are your attorney or your clergy. That's it. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, you talk on the phone, period. So I've seen a lot of people, uh, you know, wondering if she and Chad are having conjugal visits. No, they're not. (laughs) But And ooh. But anyway... (laughs) No, because those are the only uh, visits you can have. Well, the or a bail bondsman, sorry, there's three, a clergy, a bail bondsman, or your attorney. But it has to be the attorney that is actually assigned to your case, like the, that is legally assigned to your case. So just any, no one can just bebop off the street and claim that they're a part of your defense team and get to see you. That doesn't work. They have to be filed with the courts. But Anyway, so typically the way it has been at the Madison County Jail, it is a very small room where you basically sit right across from each other, knee to knee, to talk. And that is a silent room that isn't recorded because obviously attorney-client privilege would prevent the jail from recording any conversations, uh, essentially from using any conversations. Okay, so what happened this week is the Madison County Jail, along with every other jail on the planet, is trying to keep their inmates safe from getting COVID. Because if one of them gets COVID, it's going to be, you know, a complete shit show. Yeah, it's a bad deal. They're being extremely careful. And so they have moved them to a different room where they can speak between glass. Well, that had been a room in the past where there would be a recording. Because, like, meeting with bail bondsmen, those can be recorded. Meeting with clergy, they would be recorded. The only time they wouldn't record a conversation is if it was with a lawyer. Well, they had just made the move to that room. So Mark Means sat down and had an attorney with Lori, and it was recorded on accident by the Madison County Jail. So the Madison County Jail handled it just like you would, just like they should. Mm -hmm. They immediately deleted it. They did not pass it on. No one listened to it. And they reported it to both the, de- the defense and the prosecution that that had happened. Mm-hmm. So there's no, there's no controversy or cover up. They just, it's just a mistake that happened. But of course, Mark Means is using that as grounds to have her bail reduced to get her out of jail because obviously the jail is conspiring against her, <laughs> which they're not. No. It was just, a, it was just a mistake. And the thing is, yes, they have the right to attorney client privilege, And yes, it is a big deal to violate that right. However, that wasn't shared with anyone. There was nothing, no action has been taken against her because of that conversation. Right. It will go nowhere. Right. And, and it is, it's my belief personally that the judge is going to look at that and go, well, yeah, there, you know, we're in an unprecedented time, you know, with a world pandemic, you know, that everyone is doing the best they can. Right. You know. And the jail handled it correctly. They did exactly what they were supposed to do. Right. So the media has gone crazy with it. You know, of course, there's, there's been all kinds of allegations that maybe this was some kind of a setup or something. It was none of those things. No. It was just a mistake. It was a move to a different room to keep her safe from COVID. So 
But anyway, but he, the way he filed the paperwork for the bail hearing wasn't quite correct mm. and ended up filing way more papers than he needed to. One of the papers that he filed was asking for uh, a document to be sealed. And then there was all of the speculation about what could be sealed. Does this have to do with the children? Is that why? Does this have to do with minor children? No. He had to refile the document later in the day because apparently he did it wrong. <laughs> because he's not the right kind of attorney for this job. But at any rate, he filed it incorrectly. had to file it again asking for the residence to be sealed. Which it would have been anyway. There was no need to file that. Apparently, you're talk, talking to uh, people who, you know, work in the business, mm-hmm. <laughs> said that you don't have to ask for that. That's 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 always the case, you know. That the the courts would never release Chad and Lori's address to the media, you know, or to the public. But anyway, but yes, asking for their place of residence to be sealed in the event that she is given that bail. Mm-hmm. So. That's all the other stuff that's happened this week. So we have the headstone. We have Chad putting his house on the market. We have the bail reduction hearing, which is next week. It's on the 17th. So I'm sure we'll have more to talk about. Yeah. But that's coming. And little Miss Pris is going to get another day in court mm-hmm. with her uh, cherry red colored pencil lips. So yeah. <laughs> we'll, that'll be interesting. And all of her smirking and sneering and laughing and acting like she's having a hell of a good time yeah she does it's a strange strange thing there's such a a disconnect between what you would expect someone to be feeling when they're in court like that in such a serious situation and what her responses are it it is an indication of mental illness and i am not diagnosing Mm -hmm. anything i'm just saying in general when there is such a disconnect between what most people would feel in that situation and what she's clearly expressing anyway outwardly it does indicate some mental health issues it does yeah it does it does so but yeah yeah it's gross it makes people so mad (laughs) it does yeah you read through the comments of any article and people are so pissed off when they see her behaving like that because there's no there's no contrition there's no guilt there's mm -hmm. no shame there's no even taking this seriously it's like Mm -hmm. this is all a game and this well, is and the a way game she about missing her attorneys. Kids. It's so strange. Well, and the way she looks at her attorneys, it's very adoring. Mm-hmm. It's weird. So now you guys will really look this week when she goes to court. Yeah. <laughs> you'll, you'll notice that now. Mm-hmm. But if you see her in court in pink handcuffs, they use pink handcuffs. It's not special treatment. No. If you see her looking like her hair has been done, it's because another inmate braided it for her the night before and they floofed it up. Yep. If it looks like she has makeup on, it's because they've used colored pencils yes. and created makeup. Some of the inmates That's do that. apparently something they do. Mm-hmm. So don't be thinking that she's getting special treatment at the jail. She's not. No. These are just things that these women that are incarcerated do to be presentable for court. Yep. So it'll be interesting to see what that hair looks like these days, as mm-hmm. I'm sure uh, it's all her colors growing out. So anyway, yeah. I don't want to get too petty. On her, on her appearance <laughs> on her because appearance. she is a quite attractive woman. And prior mm-hmm. to going to jail, she looked very different than she does now. Obviously, there was yeah. there was a lot of product involved. Let me just say it like that. Yeah, clearly. And I don't want to pick at her appearance too much and be petty. But there's been a lot of talk about it. Yeah. But the big kahuna this week is actually a really big kahuna. This is coming out of Fremont County. So remember that Chad's house is not in Madison County where Lori's in jail. 
it's on the border of Madison County and Fremont County. And when Tammy died, it was the Fremont County coroner who responded and who, uh, you know, processed her death. So it is yeah, Fremont they, County. Uh, they done fucked up. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. Yeah. Yep. They did. They did not ask for an autopsy. They allowed that body to immediately be transferred across state, state lines. Uh, yep. Very, very three typical. days after death. Buried three days after death in Utah. Yeah. It's crazy how quickly Chad managed to get that done. But remember that Chad was a sexton. Yep. So he knew plenty about working through the system. Yeah. So, but this week on Friday, the big breaking news is that Deputy Attorney General Colleen Zahn, this is the Idaho State Deputy Attorney General, made an announcement that they are now basically taking over the investigation, claiming it an an investigation against Lori and Chad for conspiracy to commit murder and murder. And that's, oh, and attempted, attempted murder was an attempted murder because of the, um, the paint, paintball incident. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So it, that has been officially announced now that this state of Idaho, and then the FBI, I believe, is working with them as well, though they mm-hmm. didn't make a public statement on that. The state of Idaho is now investigating charges, you know, or potential charges against Chad and Lori for the death of, they didn't say the death of Tammy, that's presumed at this point, mm-hmm. but it's the only death besides the kids that has been, and the kids have not been presumed dead. But it's it, it's the only thing that makes any sense. I mean, that's mm-hmm. basically it what is. everybody believes. It's, it's got to be Tammy. Well, and there was a there's been an autopsy of Tammy, and that has not been made public. And so obviously, that's a part uh-huh. of this investigation. Oh, and I'm wrong. Actually, I'm looking at this over this article again, and it actually says that. So this was actually by request of the prosecuting attorney in Fremont County, Marsha Murdoch. She actually had asked uh, the state to get involved. So her, she did send a letter asking for the AG's assistance in, invest, in an investigation into the death of Tammy Daybell. So that is that is no it fact. Is so yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and, and you got to understand, Fremont County is a mostly rural, very tiny little towns kind of place. This is not the kind of case they very often uh, prosecute at all. It Ever. makes total yeah. sense to me that they would ask for the state AG's office to mm-hmm. get involved and help them because this is bigger than what they really have the resources for. It is as well, uh, that prosecutor, the Fremont County prosecuting attorney, Marsha Murdoch, she's not running for re-election. And so she'll actually be done at the end of this year. Mm-hmm. And so were she to continue on this case, there would be an interruption in that when a new prosecuting attorney was taking over Yeah, at the end of the year. Good. And that would not be good in a case like this. So, yeah, I feel well, like it's exactly as it should I mean. I also choose to see it as a bit of an admission on their part that they screwed up in the first place, that the county's mm-hmm. investigation was not done properly and they know it. Yeah. And they're yeah. trying to make this right now. Uh-huh. I agree with that. Completely. That's my own interpretation, but I do feel that yeah. that's part of this. Mm-hmm. I, I've seen a lot of conspiracy theories that this is because of police corruption. There is absolutely no evidence that that's true. This is more like lack of experience. (laughs) Yeah. Lack of experience, uh, being very trusting in this area. That's pretty normal, you know? So that's how it be. That's where things stand right now. So that's Mm -hmm. huge news. That is is the first time that there's been a public statement 
that Lori and Chad are being investigated for Tammy's death. That has not been uttered until no. now. No, it's been implied, but it's now it's nice to know that they are really looking into it now. It is so time for, right. for some real Which action. Of course, to made here. a lot of people wonder, did the autopsy come back? There's been yeah. no public statement on that, but maybe there won't be for him. And the autopsy was done in November. So, I mean, you mm-hmm. cannot tell me that they don't have at least some info. They do. They've, They've got, got to. to. They've got to. Plus, we do have the FBI raid on Chad's house as well a few months ago. And we know that lots of pieces of evidence were gathered in that house. So there's a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes here. Mm -hmm. And I suspect that it's my prediction that we will see an arrest warrant for Chad Mm -hmm. in the next two or three weeks. I really Mm -hmm. suspect that that's coming soon. I feel like a lot of people are pretty incensed that he's still walking free. And they should be. You know, they should. they should be. But I, I have felt from the from day one in Madison County, he did the same thing. It seemed like they were moving slowly, but really what they were doing is getting all their ducks in a row. You know, mm-hmm. they're getting everything together and ready so that they have a very solid case and a case that cannot be challenged, you know, successfully before they make a charge. And that really mm-hmm. is, is, that's very smart evidence-based mm-hmm. prosecution. And that's what we want to see. Absolutely. Absolutely. We don't want to see these two walk. No, we don't want a bunch of circumstantial evidence because, you know, we we need more than that. And I feel like this is, Mm -hmm. that's what they're, you know, working on is they want to have solid evidence before they ever go before a judge. Absolutely. Well, in this country, we are still presumed innocent, you know, until it's found otherwise, until proven guilty. And so, you know, in the eyes of the public court, everybody believes them to be guilty. But of course, Mm -hmm. that that has to be proven through the through the channels of the court. And we want that to happen correctly because I don't know about you guys, but I don't want Chad Daybell living in my community anymore. And no. I sure as hell don't want Lori Vallow Daybell to get out of jail and get to just live in this community. Well, particularly with no answer about where her children are. Right. I mean, the bottom right. line is, where are those kids? Yeah. Where are they? What has happened to them? That is the key here. Yeah. And 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 there's lots of speculation right now about that letter coming out the day after she asked for a bail reduction yet again, that that was yet another, you know, throwing a little more energy behind, don't let this person out of jail. I mean, this is a new judge. You know, the old judge recused himself upon Lori's request. Mm. So this is Michelle Mallard, the new judge on the case. She has not seen Lori yet. This will be their first time in court. And we don't know what Michelle Mallard is going to do. You know, I suspect that she's not going to lower. I I suspect that she will say that due to the fact that the children are still missing and due to the fact that, you know, there have been, there's been more information come out this week about investigations against Lori, Mm -hmm. that she's going to leave her, leave her put right where she is. Yeah, I, I, that's my sense too. Um, I feel like a bail reduction would happen if they proved the uh, location of the kids. I do too. But there's, that has not happened, so. No, no, so, yeah. So that's where things are at right this yeah. minute. So, you know, next week we will bring the third installment of this case, and we'll talk about what happened in court this week and any other new developments. Mm-hmm. It seems like this things are moving quickly. So mm-hmm. there's also been talk that, you know, the FBI have just been waiting patiently for the snow to secede in Yellowstone to start carrying out a search there. I don't know that that has started yet. I doubt that their snow has melted enough to go up there and do anything Although this week has been better, so there's probably been quite a bit of melt this week. 
I would imagine that's true. Yeah. So at some point, I hope that we'll start getting some information about that as well. Yeah. Okay. Anything well, and I else? think we ought to share. Yeah. So um, if you would like to follow us on Patreon and become a patron of True Crime Paranormal, you will find that we have some uh, extra content going on over there. We've already covered yeah. the Bell Witch. And yeah. coming very soon is the story of the missing persons case of, Hen well, not missing persons, I guess his body's been found, but the unsolved murder of Henry McCabe. We're going to talk about okay. Henry McCabe. Very interesting story. We're going to cold read it. I love it this way. So um, mm -hmm. we did this with the Bell Witch. Uh, Katie did, and I'm going to do it this way. So Katie's not going to read anything up on Henry McCabe. She doesn't, she doesn't know anything about his mm -hmm. story. And I'm going to tell the story, and then you're going to give us a cold read on what you think happened. Yes. Yeah. And so if you want to learn about that, go over to patreon.com. You can find us. We're True Crime Paranormal with the Psychic Sisters. If you become a patron, there are three different levels depending on how much extra content you want to get, but you will get some extra content, some extra episodes that are released only to our patrons. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of fun. Yeah. And of course, you know, if you like what we're doing, please like, comment, subscribe, share, all the good mm -hmm. stuff that keeps us going. And if you ever have a case that you want us to investigate, send it our way. Yeah. We want um, to do that. Come find us on Facebook. We are True Crime Paranormal with the Psychic Sisters. Uh, that's our fan page. And we have a group, a discussion group that's connected to that fan page. And mm -hmm. we, we uh, have a discussion about uh, each case every week. And that mm -hmm. is a place where you can suggest cases. And so we will be, Henry McCabe is actually a suggested case. So was the Bell Witch. Yeah. Yeah. We're listening. We yeah. are. Well, so was Lord Lucan. Yes, that's right. So was Lord Lucan. So yeah, we're trying to cover some things that you've wanted to learn about, plus mm -hmm. stay very current with some things that are happening now. Yeah, we, we can't not cover this case, the Valley no. case. And it's not so much paranormal, and yet it is, you know. It, it will be more. <laughs> I is. feel like when we get into the um, preparing of people and the, the beliefs mm -hmm. around Lori and Chad and, and sort of what's driving this with them in some mm -hmm. ways, I do feel like that is going to, yeah. uh, take us off into another realm. I, I agree. And I really think that's probably where we go next week. Mm -hmm. You know, it's it really digging into what are the beliefs that are driving this? What the hell is going through these two's head and yep. other people yep. that they're associated with? So yep. we're going to, that there. will be, Yep. All righty. Well, you've been listening to True Crime Paranormal with the Psychic Sisters. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. You know, if you're on our podcast, thanks for listening. If you're watching us on YouTube, thanks for watching. Mm -hmm. We appreciate you guys. Have a good week. Bye. If you're enjoying this podcast, don't forget to like and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. If you're watching us on YouTube, you can always like and subscribe there as well. We also love comments and reviews. True Crime Paranormal is hosted by Katie Weaver and Christy Brower and produced by Christy Brower. True Crime Paranormal is a short girl productions podcast.